So to go back, in case you didn't hear me, or fully understand what I was saying, um, we're on our fourth week of Book of James. Nate's preach, Brian's preach, and I get to preach on the subject as well. We're making our way through the book. So far we've covered um, trials, temptations, and then Nate left off last week with listening. Just to recap real fast, God is going to test his people. That's what it says in, in the first chapter. God is going to test his people. Consider it pure joy when you are tested. Persevere under it. And then the week before last, Brian preached on, but God does not tempt. And every good and perfect gift is from God. Then last week, Nate preached on being a listener, being slow to anger. And that's kind of where I'll pick up today. We need to recap a little bit and go back into that, those verses where James talks about being slow to anger and quick to listen because it really plays a part in what we're going to study starting in verse 22 today. So what James is saying be a good listener, slow to anger, slow to speak. What he's saying is, be calm. Be aware of yourself. Don't be angry. And then be a good listener. Don't, don't be quick to voice your opinion. And isn't that something that we, we see as almost like a plague in our society today? We see it a lot. In fact, there's companies that have made a lot of money with apps and software to just give people a platform to state their opinion, right? Twitter, now known as X, is just that. It's purely a place where you can say your thoughts, your beliefs or whatever, and then people can comment back and it's a, it's a platform for your opinion. And it's rampant, it's rampant in today and in our society that we're quick to speak slow to listen and quick to anger. I don't know if you've ever read through any of those before, or like say YouTube, right? I, I don't necessarily watch a lot of cable TV, but I do watch a few shows on YouTube that I enjoy. But there's, always, there's a comment section in the bottom of YouTube. And the rants, the, the commentary sometimes cracks me up. Um, and that's just basically people that are disgruntled or they're they're slow to listen and quick to anger and they want to hear themselves or see themselves speak. James is saying, don't speak and be quiet. Be calm and slow to anger. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. That's how he, he ends that. Put away your, I have written here, just another way of saying that. Put away your filthy desires and with humility, listen to the word which is able to save you. That rounds out last week's sermon and, and what we're going to get into studying today. Then, in verse 22, so James 1.22 flip there and that's where we're going to camp today James 1 says do not 
merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So James is transferring from teaching us to be a good listener, right? We just read and learned about being a good listener. Now he's saying, don't merely just listen and simply put, do what it says. Do what the word says. It's this idea that he paints for us of a person that hears the word, a person that is consuming the word, hearing it, seeing it, being around it. Maybe a person that comes to church and every word, every week listens, hears it, but then goes off and does not a darn thing about it, forgets all they hear. It's this picture of this person that may be scholarly, may know the word inside out, but doesn't let it change them. Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. That's Luke 20, 11, 28. We see this in churches all over on a regular basis. There are people that pack the pews, that hear the word weekly, that consume the word weekly, or even more, that never change. They never do. They never listen. There's preachers all over this country that will preach a sermon purely to make you feel good. And it's deceitful, right? Don't, don't hear me say that you can't feel good after a sermon because that's fine. But to just feel good about doing nothing and being okay with that is deceit. That's how God, that's how he claims it being here, that it's deceitful, that we're deceiving ourselves. If we consume the word, we listen to the word, but then we go off into our week and nothing happens. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. That's Matthew 7, 21. He also says, if you love me, keep my commands. If we love Jesus, we have to keep his commands. We have to do the will of his father, our God. When, doesn't Satan just delight, though? Can you, can you see that? that? Satan just delights in the deception of man. He delights in the deception of man, especially when we deceive ourselves because he doesn't have to do any work. Right? So when we don't listen to the word and we don't do the word and deceive ourselves... He can be lazy on a Sunday or a Monday or Tuesday or any other day of the week, but he can take the day off. He is known as the deceiver. And he doesn't have the job to do when we do it all on our own. That's what James is saying here. That we are deceiving ourselves when we hear but do not do. And what are your thoughts on a person like me? who preaches to you 
that you don't have to do anything after hearing the word. Not only am I deceiving myself, I'm deceiving you. And I'm teaching you to deceive others. So anyone that tells you that you can hear and not do and not carry through with what you read is deceitful. A liar. So James continues with this, this illustration. If we look at James 1.23, anyone who listens to the word and does not do it, do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. He, a man looks at him, he's painting this illustration again, it's, 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 a, it's a picture with words. A man looks at himself in the mirror, studies himself, does whatever he's doing, and then he turns away and walks away and forgets what he saw. I can tell you that I have a scar on my lip right here that continues up into my mustache in a little bit, and a little bit, and it actually parts my mustache slightly right here because I got in a fight with a fence and lost. I can tell you that there's a scar underneath my chin right here that actually parts my hair there too because I got in a fight with monkey bars and lost. Poked my chin through my skin. I can tell you that right here there's another scar just right underneath my lip. You can see it when you look closely, like when I look in the mirror, right there. And that's because when I was a little kid, I got in a, in a well, I got in a tuffle with the dog. I put my face in a, in a dog's face and it bit me through my lip. I don't need a mirror to tell you that stuff because I looked. I saw it. I don't need to be reminded. I saw it in the mirror. I don't go away and forget that because I saw it. And that's what the illustration that James is painting here for us is just that. Don't be that man that would look at himself in the mirror and then walk away and forget what he looks like. Don't be the man that would look in the word and then walk away and forget what it says. Steve brought up a really good point this morning just right out here. So I didn't really have much time to put this in here, but I wish I would have seen this earlier. What if the mirror was this? What if, and maybe the reason it's so easy to forget is when we look at the word, we're looking at a mirror that's peering back at us and is judging us and telling us what we look like. Maybe that's not okay. Maybe that doesn't always sit right with us. So we easily forget it because it would make us change and be something that we're not. What if this was telling us and as we looked at it and we saw that image, is this everything that God wants me to be? Do I look like what God wants me to be? Not physically. I don't think he cares if we have a, a, a nice face that is attractive. I don't know that he cares about that, but is this who God wants me to be? Am I the person that is reaching the potential he sees in me? In contrast, he goes on to say, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. 
So the man that looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, the law that gives freedom, that's the gospel message. That's the completeness of Christ. We were dead in our sins. He fulfilled the law for our salvation. He came to this earth to free us. And then forgetting what they heard, they're not, excuse me, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it. So we see the opposite of, of that image of a man forgetting what he saw or what he heard. And then the opposite of that is a man that goes and does it. I've written here, we experience the blessings of God when we act on his word. And to go back to trials, temptation, listening even, mostly trials though, I will say, just sitting on the sidelines, you'll never go through a trial. It'll never be hard. That's, that's the easy route, right? By not ever doing what God tells you to do, you'll probably never really be tried. You'll never actually go through much hardship because you're not doing anything. You're sedentary. You're benign. And as soon as you jump in and do what it says, do what the Spirit's telling you, do what the Word is telling you, do what God is telling you, that's when you're tried. That's when it'll get hard. Because the devil doesn't like it. He doesn't want you to do what the word says. So you'll be tried. And God will put you to the test. Make sure that you are who you say you are. The man that you see, or woman that you see in that mirror. John 13, 17 says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, the words of the gospel will be blessed if you do them. And he tests you on it. Let's look at a couple examples. Abraham and Isaac, right? Abraham's putting his son on, I believe it's just a rock, essentially, but he's, he's sacrificing his son. And preparing to do that. And God tested him in that. Tested his faith and said, stop. No, wait. You're good. You would have done it. You were faithful. The hall of faith. The men and women in there were, were tested. Right? They were put to the test. But through their faith. Through their faith, they were found Righteous. They listened to God. They listened to what he said and they did it. I think it's easier to hold fast during these trials when you're focused on what it says. When you're focused on the word. It's always easier to get through a day when you're busy, right? When the day drags on and it's hard, it's because you're probably bored. But when you're working, 
you're moving fast and you're doing whatever you can, right? I'm just taking an example of what we normally deal with and trying to apply it here. But when it it seems to me when 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 you're busy with something and you're doing it, it goes from 8 o'clock to 12 o'clock, and then you have lunch, and you go back to work again, and it's 5, and then it's 7, and you're going to bed. It's 10, for me anyways. Every day, everybody's day looks a little bit different. But the days that I have something to do that I am focused on are the days that just blow by. It's the same with doing God's work. The days that we are working hard for him are the days that the little things won't bother us so bad. Right? There'll be real trials, not little trials. The little things that would bother us otherwise that we'd have time to focus on, we just don't have. We just don't focus on those things. I think it's fair to say that specifically for what James is saying, or the, the writer is saying, is it's about the gospel message. When he says, hear it and do it. He's talking about the gospel, about hearing the good news of Jesus, because he's he's writing to Jewish Christians, people that were once Jewish that are making the transition and, and completing their faith and completing the law by starting to believe in, in Jesus. That's who he's writing to. And, it, it, and specifically, this passage is about that, hearing the good news of Christ. But it's applicable, though, to everything else that we see. It's applicable, and I'm, I'm gonna, I have to kind of stay out of the latter parts and chapters of James because it's easy to get in there. And I'm going to try and work around them, but not, not get into sermons to come. Leave a little meat on the bone. He says, the perfect law, the law that gives freedom. Well, simply put, we talked about this earlier. Christ fulfilled the law, the law of Moses, right? He came to fill the to fulfill the law. I have written here too. Likely Jewish Christians. These are likely who are Jewish Christians who are learning about Christ and the new them and His plan for their salvation. But we know that we can apply it to other parts of the Bible. Um, it says, "The Lord, your Lord, your God, love, sorry, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like, like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law. And the prophets hung on these two commandments. In Timothy 3.16, sorry, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof and correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And then later, the one I'm trying to avoid, James, the second chapter of James 18. He says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. 
this is applicable to everything in our daily lives and everything that we read in here because it not only works for hearing the good news and believing and going out and spreading the gospel, but also raising your children, loving your spouse, running a business, working for a business. Who are you when you look into that mirror? Do you resemble what God has for you? Are you doing what God has asked you to do? I mentioned the Hall of Faith. And each of these people were reviewed. That's, you can find that in Hebrews 11, by the way. But each of these people were reviewed righteous, right? Right with God. Because they acted on their faith, their faith in God. They acted on his word. The theme of this is outworking of faith. Your outward appearance of faith is the evidence of internal conversion. You're working not for your salvation, but because you've changed, because you have faith in God, and because you believe what he says is true. You know it's right. You know it's right for you. I liken it to, or akin it to, swimming in a pool, right? Who do you see on the shallow end of the pool? Well, you'll see the younger kids who may not be able to swim, They'll hang out on the shallow end because they're afraid to go to the deep end. But all the fun, all the fun is in the deep end. It's on the other side of the pool. That's where the diving board is. That's where the kids throw in those little divey toys that they can go way down and get. That's usually where the slide comes out is over on that end. Same with adults. Who do you see in the shallow side? Well, the adults don't want to go swim. They just want to hang out on the shallow side and kind of loaf around. That's, that's the ones that hear the word but don't do it. And I, I, you've seen them, right? I, I can remember just recently going to the pool. You kind of like squat a little bit in the pool. I can't do it because I'm not floating. But you squat a little bit and you let the water go like right here. But your feet are on the ground. You just kind of like wade around a little bit. And you're nice and safe and cozy. You always stay a little bit low because you don't want all the other dads to get jealous of your dad bod. <laughs> You guys do it. I see you. Trees would be harder for you to do. You're like at the deep end. Right here. <laughs> Cover up a little bit with the water. The work's on the other end. The scary part is over there. When you dive into the deep end. Right? When you go for a swim, you're no longer touching the ground. Beneath you, you now have to tread water. You have to trust that what God is saying, wanting for you and what you are doing is right for you and the right thing. You have to trust in God. But you get to play on the diving board when you go to the deep end. You get to dive down for the, the divers. You get to go through trials. You get to be tempted. But you'll be blessed. Blessed from it. 
I've, I think most of us in this room could say at some point in our lives, we've looked intently at the word and walked away and forgotten what it said. I think each and every one of us can say that at some point. If, if you haven't or you can't say that, you probably haven't been looking at it long enough. And that's okay. That's all right. I tell my kids all the time, tomorrow's a new day. And that's true here. Tomorrow's a new day. The next hour is a new hour. The next minute's a new minute. And if there's something while reading this scripture that is hanging on you just slightly, that's talking to you a little bit, or something that came, in mind, came to mind when I said there's probably something that you've heard and you've intently read but did not do, it's not too late to start. Like I said, James is probably talking about the gospel message here, but we can apply it to life in general. It may be, it may be something with your spouse. Maybe something with your children. It may be something that you're doing that you know you're not supposed to be doing. And giving it away. Maybe it's sin that you're holding that you shouldn't be holding. It's about giving it up to God. Maybe, maybe you're just hearing about the gospel message. Maybe God's the Spirit's pulling you towards God's salvation. And you just haven't jumped in the deep end yet. You haven't taken that plunge. You haven't been buried with him and risen with him. Maybe that's what it is. But what James is telling us here is do it. Do whatever it is. Whatever you've read, whatever you've seen. I can't tell you what that is. There's a million things. Whatever it is, do it. Don't hesitate, and you'll be blessed. Just to recap on that, let's go back to verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not... Sorry, I just lost my place. I'm really sorry. Listen words, but does not do it, or do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently at the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. Maybe you're really good at that already. Maybe that's one of your strengths. 
is doing what the word says and doing what the spirit's telling you to do. Maybe not. But it's not too late to change that. You can start right this moment. So that's all I have for you on this subject this morning. Um, What was interesting about this is I actually, I volunteered for communion quite a while ago. (laughs) And then I was asked to preach as well. So now I get to do both. (laughs) So it actually applies here to James. It's, It's interesting how it all worked out. But it actually comes right back to James. There's something I've been kind of chewing on for a long time. Um... And thinking about for quite a while. And that's the significance. And really with communion. The reason I, I wanted to do communion today. Is the significance of what Christ has done for us. Right? That's, that's When we come to come up here. And we take of, of communion. We, we are remembering Christ. And what he's done. And I'm so often reminded. And I try to keep reminding myself. And the purpose of this is what he has done and how significant it is. So how this, how this ended in this odd manner, the, the significance of Christ and what he's, what he's done is we've been studying James. And we've got a small group going. And we studied James. Basically, we studied what the sermon was about and go into a little more depth and detail and we're working through this and we get to verse 13, no, 14 rather, about being tempted and about being tempted by their own evil desire. And it says, so actually halfway through 13, excuse me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And we, we were thinking on that for a little bit and studying on that for a little while. And it's like, well, God can't be in the presence of sin God himself can't be tempted but wasn't Jesus tempted when he was in the wilderness wasn't wasn't he tempted hmm that's a that's a weird is a dichotomy that's weird it's it's an interesting situation that we have that God cannot be tempted but Jesus was and Jesus is God So then you flip over to Hebrews. Go to the second chapter of Hebrews. Hebrews 2. We're going to start in verse 9. I don't want to get into the theory of the Trinity. I don't think we have enough time for that. But all the same, this this holds a lot of water. And gives a lot of gravity. So we're in verse 9. But we do see Jesus who was made lower then the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by grace of God he could, be, he could he might taste death for everyone. And then let's skip down to 17, verse 17. For this reason, he had to be made like them. fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest and service to God that he might make atonement 
for the sins of the people. For this reason, he had to be made like them. He was tempted just like we were tempted. We even see it on, on the, during Christmas, right? We see it at the, the nativity. It doesn't, Jesus didn't come here as a human born on earth so that he could be pictured as a, as a weak baby, but rather because he is just like you and I. He was made, excuse me, he was made just like you and I. He allowed himself to be just like you and I. Don't take that first part back because I don't want to in any way equate Jesus to us. But in his humility and in in his humbleness, he became flesh, human. He put himself inside one of our bodies. You know what else that means? He felt like we felt. He wept like we would weep. He felt pain like we would feel pain. I'm getting an image and it's tearing me up. He felt those things. Why? So he could have mercy on us. He went there to that cross and was crucified for us. Willingly putting himself through all the pain and agony that we would feel for us. He could have called the angels. He could have been taken away at any time. But he chose to do it. That has a lot of weight. That has a lot of weight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. And all that you went through. For me. For you. So as you come up here. And the taste of that punch hits your tongue. Think about what he put himself through on purpose. And what, how far he is willing to go for you. When you take the unleavened bread and it crunches between your teeth, remember him. And his sacrifice. Amen? Amen. All right, I pray for you guys. Um, we have an open communion. Uh, anyone that, that believes in the, the, the saving blood of Jesus, if he is your Lord and Savior, you're welcome to come up here. Do not hold back. Please join us for communion. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this wonderful book and this this perfect law. 
Lord, as we as we look at these words and we also look at ourselves in the mirror, I just ask that it that it brings us to action. That as Christian believers, followers of your Son, Jesus, that we are we are caused and we are made to to do and be doers of the word. And that when we see something that we don't hesitate to change. Thank you so much for your son who's who's come to this earth, Lord, and, and made himself flesh and who's given himself over for a ransom. Amen.